worthy of it all. Let's give the Lord another round of applause this morning. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. We welcome you this morning. If you're a guest, definitely want to take this opportunity to welcome you, those who are gathering with us online, uh, all over this state, this country, around the world. And so we thank you for gathering with us. Man, things are happening around this place, some cool things. How many, any men here come to the cornhole and the car show? Anybody? Really great spiritual things this weekend, yeah? And I learned that a lot of guys should be reading their Bible rather than playing cornhole because we got some good cornhole players in this church. Now, we had a great evening on Friday night and then on Saturday at our car show. And I see it all the time, and I'll say this again, like no coincidence, like even you here today, like I believe that, I've, divine appointments, like whatever you went through this week, you know, God brought you here. And it was cool to see these men show up on Friday night. And then for our car show on Saturday, I got to meet a lot of new people uh, even yesterday morning. And so very thankful for that. Our students got back this past Friday and they came back with the same number they left with. So that's an answer to prayer right there. They had a great week of camp. And then next week, uh, our middle schoolers will be leaving on Sunday. And then our kids will be leaving for, for kid camp uh, on Monday, and Amber and I are going as chaperones to our kids' camp next week. Yeah, so be praying for, I guess, them and us. Like, be praying, you know, for us uh, as we sleep in a bunkhouse. Like, I'm like, like, I need my fan when I sleep. Like, I need it on a certain temperature, and I have a feeling all that's going to be thrown out the window when I'm at kids' camp. And so p- please be praying for me. But anyway, we're excited for that. There is an Israel trip that we are planning, 2023 in May. And so if you're interested in that, you can learn more about that next Sunday. We're gonna have a, an interest meeting after the third service to my left, to your right, 121 in this big classroom over here. And so if you're interested in that, would love to have you be a part of that. Before we get into the message, I wanna give you uh, an opportunity uh, to really you know, be a blessing. So we know that where God has placed us is strategic. It's one of the things that we recognize as a church that you know, we're unique, we're not like any other church, just like any body of believers. There's uniqueness to the place where God has called us and to the people that he's brought to us. Well, he's placed us here right by Oscar Smith High School. And as many of you know, like we've partnered with them and ministering to their students. There is quite the population of homeless kids at Oscar Smith High School. I'm talking in the hundreds, which is mind boggling. And so our uh, people here have been great in partnering, doing a mentoring, um, uh, a mentoring uh, process with these young people. And now we have a chance to be a blessing to send them to camp. There's a young life camp and there's over 20 kids looking to go to this young life camp. And many of these kids have never, you know, been to a camp like this. And again, they're going to hear the gospel. It's going to be taught. It's going to be shared. It's going to be lived. So we want to be a blessing in providing resources for these students to go. So on your screen, let's put the, whoa, I got to lay that. I got, man, I'll tell you what, man, I got a cow lick. And, and when I see it from that angle, hold on. There we go. So here's the QR code. This is not the mark of the beast. And so take your phone, scan the QR code. And what it's going to do is send you to a place where you can provide financial resources for these kids to go. And this is dear to me. My wife got saved at a Young Life camp at the age of 15, uh, invited by a friend, motivated by cute boys. She went to this Young Life camp and met the greatest man of all time, met Jesus. And so, you know, our prayer is that these students who don't know the Lord can go and be a part of this. And so again, as a body of believers, we have an opportunity to be a blessing to them. And so even if you didn't scan that, Pastor Kyle, uh, our community outreach and missions will be out in the lobby and he will show you ways that you can help these students go to camp. You with me? 
God bless you. Take your Bibles. Here we go. Let's take your Bibles. Go with me to two places, Hebrews 11, and we're going to go to Genesis 12. So we're continuing in our series on faith, Old Testament faith. And the entire series kind of revolves around you know, Hebrews 11. And so I'd encourage you to go back. It's God's hall of faith in which character after character after character is mentioned of by faith, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah. And so you see this, and we talked about this over the weeks. We're not gonna follow this, you know, character for character through, we, you know, in the series, we'll jump out of some of these characters, but at least in the beginning, you know, we can't skip over Noah and we can't skip over today, Abraham. So my first experience to camp was a place called Camp McCall. I was eight years old, first time I ever went away from home and I got homesick in a way that they wouldn't let you call your parents. One of their rules were for these kids to really experience and it was RAs and GAs. Y'all remember that from back in the day, Royal Ambassadors? I'm not, what, what is the GAs? What girls in action, I always thought it was girl ambassadors. Those girls in action. So RAs and GAs, you learn about Jesus and you learn how to tie a knot basically, right? You, you learn about Jesus and you do the outdoor stuff. And so it was this camp that I got sent to and I, at the age of eight, you know, hiking through the mountains was not something that, you know, intrigued me, but I went and they wouldn't let me call my parents. By the third day, I was so homesick. I, I'm like, I need to talk to my mama. Like I, I need to share something with my mama and they would not let me. But what I remember about that camp is the song that we learned, Father Abraham. So I'm gonna sing for you guys this morning. And it's online, so I'm gonna sing this. Y'all gotta help me though. All right, here we go. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had yeah. Abraham. I am one of them. So, so right arm, left foot. Father Abraham <laughs> had many sons. Had it spinning around, sitting So all that, like I, I just knew the motions. And I remember as a kid thinking to myself, he ain't my father. Like I remember thinking that. Like, why is he my daddy? Like, what, do you, what does that even mean? I know who my father is. My father's Kelly Burris, and he makes that known by the way he interacts in my life. This is my father, and I have a heavenly father. Who is this father Abraham? And so we understand that like, it's our spiritual father. Right? It goes back to the book of Genesis. Over one-fourth of the book is dedicated to this man by the name of Abraham. He is found all throughout scripture. Like it's crazy. Like over 300 times he's mentioned in scripture, over 76 times in the New Testament, 16 Old Testament books, 11 New Testament books where Abraham is spoken of. Father Abraham. With your Bibles in hand, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. Hebrews chapter 11. It all comes back to faith, right? It all comes back to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through... So by and through, by grace, through faith, for good works. It's the same pattern in the Old Testament, right? We understand that Abraham displayed faith, right? That's, that's what it comes back to, right? And the Bible says in Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord. And the Bible says, and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. That his sins were put on credit is basically what he's saying. That by his faith, he trusted God, but there was gonna come a savior. It's on credit, there's a debt to be paid. There would come a savior through this line who would make the payment. He says he lived by faith. And we see that in his obedience. It's the evidence of his faith. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now jump down to verse six. Without faith, it is, say the word with me, it is, so here we are this morning. I, I, I would dare to say you're trying to seek the Lord. You're trying to please the Lord. You're drawing near to the Lord. You're here. Whether you came reluctantly or not, you're here. And the Bible says what? By faith. It's only in faith 
that without faith it's impossible to please him. What must we do? For we must come to God, believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those. We must believe who he is and the promises that he's provided. Now let's look at verse eight and then we'll jump into our passage this morning. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And don't miss this last part. Don't miss this last part. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word tells us without faith it is impossible to please you. And Lord, we know it's your grace that by grace through faith. And so Lord, we thank you for the grace that you've shown upon us, Lord, that your mercies that are renewed every single day. And Lord, we know that when we use these words, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about our savior. We're talking about the promised Messiah who came and fulfilled the greatest promise of all that he would come as a substitute for us and pay the debt that we owe to you for our sins. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be captivated by our savior, not by our struggles. May we be captivated by our savior, not by our problems, not by our doubts, not by our fears. May Jesus dominate our mind, not the struggles of our lives. And Lord, may we be found faithful in pleasing you. Lord, may we be willing to take the step when we can't see where it's going to trust in the God that cannot fail. Lead us this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last week after the third service, we did what all godly people do. And we went to Three Amigos after the third service. And we had cheese sauce is what my son calls it, cheese sauce and, um, and our, our regular. And one of our members were there and they said to me, they said, Heath, you do realize that you stood us up to read scripture and you never read scripture. That at 11.15 last week, I said, let's stand in reverence of reading God's word. And the reverence wasn't to God's word. It was, I just talked for five minutes. And so this past week I told them, I said, well, I am determined that when we stand, we will actually read scripture. And so we just accomplished that. Let's close in prayer and go home. Here we go. Hebrews 11. Let's talk about faith this morning. And let's talk about where God's calling you to faith today. And let me just say this. If you've never taken a step of faith to Jesus, turning from your sins and, and, and pronouncing and professing him as Savior, that's the first step he's calling you to. But we understand that it's a repeated action, right? It's not that we have to be re-saved. No, we're saved once. We're justified by the blood of Jesus. But now that faith every day, God is calling us to display in some way, shape, or form. And according to his word, it's impossible to please him without faith. And, and if you're anything like me, you know, we kind of approach it like this. Well, well, God, give me some more information. Like I remember when I was wrestling with a calling in the ministry, I was like, Lord, Lord give, me, give me some information here. Like, you're not gonna send me to Africa, are you? Do I get to stay in the area? And, and please don't make me do student ministry, Lord Jesus, I beg you. Like, 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 give me some details. And I remember a sermon by Dr. Adrian Rogers and he said this, he talked about a blank contract of how the Lord doesn't do that. What the Lord does is say, hey, you trust in the one making the promise, right? The promise is only trustworthy by the source of who's given the promise. So the trust must go back to believing who he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so every day the Lord says, no, 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 I'm not gonna give you the details. I'm asking you to sign your name on the line on a blank contract. You have to trust me. And when you sign your name, that's when... I will begin to reveal my plan for you, but not ahead of time. And this is the way it's worked in my own life. I'm just gonna tell you that, right? That, that I remember a pastor saying, you know, how do you know God's will in the unknown areas of your life? Well, you must be obedient in the known areas. That if you're walking with the Lord and you desire it, he's asking you to display faith. And when you display faith, he then shows the next step in his timing. 
Let's look at this story. Hebrews 11a, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. There's some of you this morning who are being called to a place and you don't know exactly the details. And it's scary. It's overwhelming. Okay, God, I'm out of my comfort zone here. That's a good place to be. There should always be this place of discomfort when we're walking with the Lord because he's always leading us to places that go outside of ourselves because without faith it's impossible to please him. And so I look at this passage in verse eight and I'm just challenged by that. He went because God told him to go, not necessarily because he knew exactly where God was leading him. Look at what happens here in verse nine, by faith. He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he, hear this word, some of you this morning, for he waited one of the hardest things to do. You know the source, you know the God, you know the promises, but you're waiting. And let me just say to you, man, waiting time is never wasted time. There are things that God is doing behind the scenes to prepare for whatever he has in store. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord, right, shall renew their strength. That's the promise of God's word. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also restrained strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, past the age, I'd say that, because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she was in her 90s, right? And you know the story, right? That, 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 that Abraham says to God, okay, you're promising this son that's gonna be descendants and, and the stars and the sand and all this. We don't have a child, God, you do realize that. You know, we don't have a child. And so we understand that the promise of Isaac was given to them. And the Bible says that Abraham laughed on the inside. The Bible says Sarah laughed on the outside. If you don't think our God has a sense of humor, he said, name him Isaac. You know what the name Isaac means? Laughter. So every time you call his name, Joel Osteen on the screen at Lee Memorial, every time you call his name, you're gonna be reminded of my promise. You're going to be reminded of even your response to my promise. And I love this, right? I mean, wouldn't we all laugh if you're 95 and 100 and the Lord comes to you and says, hey, you're gonna have a child, I think the natural reaction would be laugh, like kind of a scary laugh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so look at what he says here in verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, hear this, not receiving these promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, hear that. They didn't see it, they heard the promises, they embraced it and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Go to Genesis 12, if you would. Now, we're gonna go to Genesis 12 and let's look at this awesome story. And I want you to see something, that as God is calling Abraham to faith, and we see this in all the stories, there's a uniqueness to each story, that your story's different than mine. Your call to faith is different than mine. Now, it's, there's some similarities, but the specifics of where God is dealing and calling you is different. And we see that in scripture, but God yet works in ways that we can see it's consistent. So chapter 12, verse one through four, look what it says here. Let's look at how this all goes down. Now, the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a prophecy of Christ through this seed, through this lineage. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Iran. Now again, we know that he changes his name. 
You know, Abram means uh, exalted father. Abraham, plural, means the father of many. And so we understand that what God is doing, even in his name, is through the promise that he's provided here in Genesis 12. But let's talk about the magnitude of this call. He is telling him to pick up roots and to go a place that he's never been before. He's telling him to leave what is familiar, his home, his family, and to trust the Lord in a journey where he doesn't necessarily know the details. Many of you can relate. There are many of you who can relate where there's a call upon God, but man, it's scary because you know your comfort zone and it might even be your family. That God was calling him to leave some things behind as he's pursuing the plan that God has in store for him. And that's hard. That's hard when God tells you to leave some things behind. Whether it's things in your own life that you know, uh uh-uh, I can't carry this as I'm following the Lord and seeking the plan he has for me. Sometimes that's people. Sometimes that's relationships. Now, again, I'm not talking about cutting off relationships with family. I'm talking about walking with the Lord and discerning truth and not allowing even the relationships of our family to keep us from going. I've seen this, man. I had a pastor friend who had a calling into a foreign mission field and his parents were dead set against it. And I thought to myself, right, man, the safest place for you to be is in the center of God's will. And if that's in Africa, that is the safest place for you to be. Where is God calling you? And sometimes it's uncomfortable because there's some familiar things that he's asking you to leave behind. That there's some things that maybe, you, maybe it's not sin in and of itself, but a distraction that kept you from fully pursuing him. And only you can know that, right? That's the beauty of this relationship, right? That if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And if the Holy Spirit works in you as he does me, he, he doesn't say, Heath, I hope you get it one time. He says, Heath, I'm gonna keep giving it to you so that you know whether you're being obedient or he knows I'm a knucklehead. He knows I'm gonna try to find the back door. He knows I'm gonna try to say, well, you didn't necessarily know. He's gonna say, no, here it is. You've got to make a decision. You're gonna show faith or you're gonna keep doing your own thing. That's hard. I remember, you know, to young people, you know, when there's such this social pressure, can we step out in faith and allow God to be the one that we're most determined to please, not the ones around us? This can be family as well, man. Let's not underestimate the magnitude of this call upon this man, not knowing the details of the plan. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I remember growing up, like just thinking to myself, how could someone reject the gospel? Like I remember thinking to myself, I know I'm a preacher's kid and I know I grew up going to church, but I was just thinking, how could someone, first of all, not come to the conclusion that they're a sinner? We all can come to that conclusion. If you agree, say amen, amen. If you didn't use lied in church, you're worse than us. We're all in the category. It's not hard to come to that conclusion. And if there is a God and he is perfect and he is holy and he is righteous, I have an issue because I'm not. So how could someone reject a substitutionary death? How could someone reject someone who says, hey, I'll pay their debt. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm perfect. I'm sinless, but I'll step in their place and pay it for them. How could someone reject that? And then I was in college. One of my good friends, I was waiting tables with this young lady. She was Jewish. And she came with me to an awesome August Monday night at Kimstow Baptist Church. My dad would bring in pastors and it was always, I'd always try to tag along because it was good eating. We'd go to Rockefeller's or Waterman's at the oceanfront and Kimstow would pay for it. So I'd get this huge big platter. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of, not really. So I go out to dinner with <laughs> Fried shrimp, just do it all, you know. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, awesome August. <laughs> 
And one night, I forgot who the pastor was, man. He gave an invitation. He just began to talk about Jesus. And I heard her crying beside me. So we got in the car, took her home. We didn't say a word the whole drive home. And when I dropped her off, the Lord said, talk to her about the gospel. Talk to her about Jesus. And we began to talk. And, and as I began to share, she looked at me and she said, you do realize that if I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm basically banned from my family. She said, you do realize that they know I'm hanging out with you, this preacher's kid, and they've heard about kind of what's, I wouldn't even be able to go to Thanksgiving. My grandmother and grandfather has told me that we would be kicked out of this community if I respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it put it in a whole new perspective for me. It made sense to me now because it never made sense to me why Jesus would say what he said. Like it would never make sense to me why Matthew 10, verse 37, he says, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I used to be so confused by that verse. Wait, wait, we're called to honor our parents. That's the first commandment of each other. The first four is how we deal with God. The first one of five of how we deal with each other is to our parents. What do you mean, Jesus? And then he goes on to say, right, he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And then here's the key right here, verse 39. 10 sermons could be on this one verse. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. But for some, it's hard to leave behind the things that God is calling you to. But can we display faith? that even in those relationships, God is gonna do something supernatural. Think about this promise, man. God promised him that his descendants would be like the sands of the sea, that his descendants were like the stars of the heavens. He promised all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him again. This is a prophecy of Jesus. This is a prophecy of all those tribes and tongues and nations that would come to Christ, that they would be blessed. This is a prophecy of the coming savior. But here's the question, was this promise fulfilled in Abraham's lifetime? It wasn't. That's why Hebrews 11 says it was a far off and yet they embraced it because they trusted in the one who was given the promise. And yet all throughout the story, not only does God call Abraham to this place, he tests him and he tests him. There's at least 12 specific tests that God calls Abraham to. Some he passes really well, some he fails. And what you see over it all is grace, right? What you see overall is, yeah, the faith of this man, but a broken man who makes good decisions of faithfulness, but also we see his unfaithfulness. But what we have to understand is this, there's a difference between tests and trials that God sends our way and the temptations of the enemy. The, the purpose of the temptations is to draw us away. And that comes from within, that's that sinful nature, that flesh. But the purpose of test in our life is to draw us closer to the Lord. And we have to discern between the two. Sometimes the Lord is testing us. And I love the quote that says what? A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So where is God testing our faith today? Of trust me where you can't see. And Abraham passed and Abraham failed. He passed the test of trusting him to initially move. He failed the test of daily bread, right? The Bible says in chapter 12, verse 10, that he doubted God and went down into Egypt for help. He passed the test of allowing Lot, right? The first shall be last. He allowed Lot to make the initial decision, but he failed the test of waiting on the Lord. The promised descendant would come, but you know the story. Sarah's like, no, we gotta manipulate the situation. We're hundred years old. How are we gonna have a kid? And you know the story, right? She tells Abraham, 
you should sleep with my maidservant. Hagar, right? Is that her name? Say it. Hagar. Hagar, that's her name. We got other words to pronounce later. And do you remember the son was named? Ishmael. And it all goes back to Abraham didn't wait. Sarah didn't wait. And so as we're looking at this story, I love the fact that the Bible gives the full picture. It gives the good, but it gives the bad. And I want you to see what he does through all of these challenges and tests that God puts before him. Look at verse five. There are four altars that he, be, that he creates, four altars that he establishes before God as he's walking through these trials. And to me, this is application for us, that if God is testing you and he is in some way, shape or form, drawing you to faith, there are some altars that we can build along the way. And we see this here in Abraham. First of all, he builds an altar of praise. Look at verse five of chapter 12. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Moray. And the Canaanites were in it, then in the land. Don't miss that. They're still there. So he calls him to this promise, but still, as he's looking at it with human eyes, I'm sure he's thinking, okay, God, are you sure? Faith required. Verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there, notice this, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He praises God. What that is a picture of, it's a picture of sacrifice. It's a picture of worship. It's a picture of praise. That in that moment, Abraham said, okay, well, Abram at this time, okay, God, you've called me to this. I can't see it all, but you know what I'm gonna do in it? I'm gonna praise you in it. I'm gonna build an altar of praise. And in my confusion and in my doubt and in my fears, guess what I'm gonna be doing? I'm gonna be praising you. And so you know what that does? It keeps my eyes here, not my eyes here. And it keeps my eyes on the Lord. It keeps my eyes on his promise. It keeps my eye on, okay, God, you're sovereign over a situation that seems way out of control. Lift my eyes off of it and keep them on you. He builds an altar of praise. One of the most powerful things you can do is praise the Lord as you're going through these seasons. One of the most powerful, and understand something, the enemy can't stop that. The power of the resurrection is this, when a child of God who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit calls upon the name of the Lord, the enemy can't stop that. The authority of the risen savior allows us freely to seek the father. So what does he do? He tries to keep us from doing it. He gets us tired, and stressed out and anxious and busy and controlling. I'm gonna fix this in my family. I'm gonna fix this in my marriage. I'm gonna fix this here. I'm gonna fix it. And God said, I ain't asking you to fix nothing. You want life, lay your life down. You wanna find it, lose it. And it's the greatest struggle for all of us. I'm telling you, it is to die to self daily, but that's the sacrifice of praise. That's the place of worship. That's an altar of praise where Abraham says, I don't need to see the next God. I'm gonna praise you here. It's not only an altar of praise, but notice prayer. Look at verse eight. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built second altar, an altar to the Lord. And he what? Called on the name of the Lord. Here's two altars now. So Lord, not only in this place that you've called me to that I don't understand everything, but I'm gonna be obedient to you. I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna seek you in prayer. I'm gonna talk to you. I'm going to converse with you. I'm going to know that I'm walking hand in hand with the God who is sovereign over my life. That's the privilege we have. 
to be captivated and changed, to wake up and know, hey, this ain't me alone, right? I'm walking with the God of this universe. I'm talking with him. And when I call upon his name, the enemy can't stop that. The power of the resurrection allows me, the Bible says, to come boldly, not to the throne of judgment, but to the throne of grace. And when we do that, there's power in that. And especially when you're in your pain and your struggles. If you can fight through that and say, no, I'm gonna build an altar of praise, an altar of prayer. But notice it goes a little bit further. Go to chapter 13 now. He builds an altar of peace with Lot. Now this is very practical to our lives. Look at verse eight and nine. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen for we are brethren. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left and I will go right, or if you go to right, then I'll go left. The story is what? That their herds grew and it's not more money, more problems. It's more sheep, more problems. So they got a lot of sheep. And so now they're fighting and they got to separate. But what does Abraham pursue? He pursues peace. Shouldn't we always be pursuing peace? in our lives, right? Not compromising truth, hear what I'm saying? And there's a line that you have to walk and that's only in the Holy Spirit where you're walking in truth, not compromising truth, but living in grace and seeking peace. There's some of you in here that needs to seek peace. You need to build an altar of peace somewhere in your life in a relationship, in a pain, in a grudge, in bitterness, whatever it may be. That may be the altar of peace today that you lay before the Lord. But then notice the last one. This was the hardest one. And it's the hardest chapter for me to read, to be honest with you. Go to Genesis 22. Y'all know the story here. He built an altar of praise, an altar of prayer, of peace. But here, here's the promise right here. You want to see faith. And it's a hard, it was hard to read this before I had a child. Now that I have a son, one son, this is a hard passage to read. And you want, you want, I want you to see what the Lord does here. Such a picture of Jesus. It's such a beautiful picture of Jesus. Let's just read it. Genesis 2, 22. Some of you, may, this may be the first time you've heard these verses. And let me just read it. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. We see it over and over again. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Stay here with the donkey. And he's from somewhere down south, I'm not sure. The lad and I will go yonder and we will worship. You wanna see faith? You wanna see faith? And we will come back to you. And we will come back to you. At this point in time, Abraham was being obedient to the call to sacrifice his son. And his faith was so deep that his obedience was, you know what? If God, you call me to do this, you are powerful enough to raise him up. And so guys, y'all wait here with the donkey. The lad and I are going yonder. We're gonna worship, but guess what? I'm not coming back along. He's coming with me. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac, his son. Get this picture. Fathers, get this picture. 
and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the place of which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on that lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up fourth altar for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Hear me this morning, what are you wrestling with? The Lord will provide. You may not see it. He may be calling you to wait on it. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. What a beautiful picture of Isaac symbolically of Jesus. The only son, the promised son, miraculous conception, born in their 90s, a promised only begotten son, Jesus, a divine conception, three day journey to Mount Moriah. I think Jesus was buried for three days. There's two dudes that are following with him. I think Jesus had two dudes beside him on the cross and there on the altar, Abraham offering his son as a substitute. And God says, nah, 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 take your son off of that altar. I'm gonna provide a ram, a substitute. But this is symbolic of the lamb that will come, the son of God that will come, who will willingly lay himself on the altar and willingly shed his blood for your sins. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. Just hear me. It's always Jesus. Whether it's the ark and Noah or whether it's Abraham and Isaac, it's always Jesus. Genesis to Revelation, it's Jesus. And when it comes down to it, your faith is not in a set of rules. Your faith is in a person. Can you trust him? Can you trust his heart for you? Can you trust his goodness for you when you can't see it? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. There may be some here that just need to build some authors in their lives and say, Lord, here it is. I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna seek you in prayer. I'm gonna seek peace. And I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna embrace the promise. Whether I see it in my lifetime or not, you're faithful to fulfill. Can I get an amen? I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer. Stand where you are. And then we're just gonna gather, we're gonna worship, we're gonna sing these words. And let me just say to you this morning, again, not random, not a coincidence, if you're here, I don't care how you got here. What have you done with Jesus? That's a, when you stand before God, ain't none of us gonna be around and it's gonna come down to one thing. It ain't gonna be the magnet on your car. It ain't gonna be, I hope my good outweighs my bad because it won't. What'd you do with Jesus? Bottom line, 
we will all stand before a holy and righteous God and either we ourselves will make the payment that is due or we will rest in the one who paid it for us. May we be captivated by that on this side of the promise, not the things of this world. Our heavenly father, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, you've given us truth. Lord, Abraham had your word. We have your written word in front of us. And we are on the other side of the greatest promise that's been fulfilled, a savior who did come, a savior who did die and a savior who did come back to life. We thank you that our salvation is not in ourselves because we would boast in it. We lift high the name of Jesus. And I pray one here, Lord, that you are pursuing, may they take a step of faith that is scary and uncomfortable. There may be some today that just need to begin a journey, a relationship with the one who created them for it. Nothing else will satisfy, nothing else will fulfill. You wired us for a relationship with you. Give them the courage, the strength to step out. To believers in this place, you're all calling us to a place of faith somewhere. May you be pleased as we trust in you. You truly are worthy of it all. May we be captivated this week of not our lives and our schedule and our things, but of our savior. We give you praise. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said.